Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now breaking off all units pirate will one two pick a target too many captain watch your stabilizer gold six anybody cover me i got two vultures on my tail you've got to hold them here watch your left i can't shake them i'm hit i'm hit where's our reinforcement welcome to super movie brothers i'm your host super movie brother dave so me and jay didn't actually get to sit down and record this week and since we did the star wars clone wars series finale with tony from the take two podcast last week i decided that to fill the void this week, I would pick up one of those episodes that I did a long time ago for the Podfix Network that was called A Certain Point of View. So you're going to hear an episode where I sit down with Fuzzy Dan from Shaken Not Nerd, and we discuss Star Wars animation. So uh, this is dated, so you may hear some dated references throughout because we did this about three years ago, uh, but this is new to you guys. So uh, we will be back next week with a brand new episode me and jay we will be doing our top five movie speeches as well as discussing what we've watched and what's going on in movie news so i'll see you guys next week enjoy this episode so what i told you was true from a certain point of view a certain point of view luke you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view Welcome to A Certain Point of View, the only Star Wars show where we take aspects of the Star Wars universe and dissect them and take a deep look inside them from a certain point of view. Joining me tonight is a man who ha- needs no introduction. I am joined by Fuzzy D of Who Spiked the Funds. What, what? How we doing, brother? Who Spiked the Funds is going. really going down, man. That's like, I'm going to like make sure that that thing goes down because everybody's using it now. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be doing very it on Shaken Not Nerd for so long. <laughs> oh, that wanker. But I love Fizzy him. Fizzy Dave. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's catchy. Oh. It's catchy. <laughs> and I am your host, Dave from the Super Movie Brothers, and tonight we got something extremely special for you. I th- I couldn't think of any way to end our first season of a certain point of view than to discuss 
the animation of Star Wars. In the past 10 to 15 years, Star Wars has really begun to branch out, uh, especially with its canon and its stories in the form of animation. It all began with the Gendy Tartakovsky series that premiered between the releases of Star Wars Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And then... After everything was done, when we thought we were done getting new things that, that were George uh, George Lucas-level canon, they slap us with Dave Filoni's The Clone Wars. And people were very excited when The Clone Wars was coming out because Dave Filoni was coming hot off of Avatar The Last Airbender, where he was the showrunner on that. And everyone, adults and kids alike, really dug that show. And then finally, he followed that up with Rebels. So we're going to go through each one of them, but... It's going to be a little different because as we go through each of these, we can't just sit here and have a freeform conversation and, and without any type of structure. So like on my show, when I did the, uh, the lightning rounds for, for the Marvel MCU, we're going to do lightning rounds here. So we're going to spend 10 minutes on the Gendy Tartakovsky series, and we're going to spend 15 minutes on Clone Wars and 10 minutes on Rebels. Oh, it's going to be a daunting <laughs> task. Are you, are you up for this fuzzy? Oh, man, I could talk for like an hour on the Gendy stuff. So, you know, 10 minutes is just, I'm feeling restricted. So I'm just going to have to condense all of my goodwill for the show into 10 minutes. It's going to be amazing. Well, since Gendy is your favorite, (laughs) I'm going to pull up the stopwatch. And when you are ready to begin, you can start talking about the Gendy Tartakovsky series. (sighs) I'm sucking myself up. (sighs) Okay, go. All right, timer started. Wow, like this goes back to all of your childhood TV shows, right? The like the hand-drawn goodness of some of the shows. And we'll talk a little bit about the this the computer generated versions later Fuzzy, on, but you are stupid. And don't forget, <laughs> you are stupid. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. It's so cool. It's just, it looks so amazing. There's just some really, really great little touches that they do in the show that just feel lived in. It feels like a, an actual show, whereas the other ones look like a fucking movie trailer for something else. It just, I, I don't it's know. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And and at the time when Gendy Tartakovsky was doing this, this aired on uh, on Cartoon Network. It aired sometime around six o'clock here in the States. Um, yep. And each one of the episodes is only about five minutes. In season two, they, they upped it to about 30 minutes for, for each episode. But um, it, he was on top of the game like he was Cartoon Network's guy. He was behind Dexter's Laboratory. Uh, mm-hmm. He was behind Samurai Jack, which which was oh, a huge, huge hit for them. So uh, when he when he got the, the green light to go ahead and do these Star Wars films, fans were extremely excited. And I remember I, I the way I originally owned these was I recorded them on VHS. <laughs> and I used the same VHS every night. So I would I would leave it in the VCR. The one would end, I would hit stop, at, and then 6 o'clock the next night, I would be sitting sitting there Indian style in front of it and manually yeah. pr- press record the second it started. So for a good couple <laughs> years before they released it on DVD, that's how I rewatched these. Yeah, wow. That's that's amazing. That's that's dedication, son. Dedication to Star Wars. And I've already <laughs> like I already told my wife, my wife's like, so when you get your Star Wars tattoo, you're gonna get the Millennium Falcon. What are you gonna and I told her, I am gonna get the shark, the the shark faced dropship that the that the arc troopers fly on the uh, on the oh, banking nice. plans planet in with all of them. Cause that is the absolute best episode. It happens in like episode 
two or three. Uh, yeah. So you're only about five, 10 minutes into the show and you get, you get a completely it's silent episode, pretty much no talking. The only talking yeah. is Obi-Wan on a holographic image on, uh, on, on the one arc troopers like wrist. And that's it. It's just all hand motions and signs. And it's the closest thing to, to, uh, to Karen Travis's, uh, Republic commando that you, that you've gotten in the cartoons yet. Yeah, it's it's so good. They 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 feel like some of the designs for those arc, to, arc troopers, especially, uh, feel so well done. Like they they feel like they're actual people. Um, you look at the movies and they they felt very I don't know very like the singular hive mind kind of thing. They everyone was like a carbon yeah, copy of everyone else. It's pretty else. sad when the live action films the the stormtroopers are more cartoonish than they are <laughs> in the cartoons. You know, I mean yeah. they, but they really were. You know. In, in the cartoon, like they really felt like they, they felt like an imposing force. Like they actually oh, felt yeah. like guys who could get something done. Whereas you see them in the films and they really just like stormtroopers are just, are just blaster fodder. Yes, absolutely. And that, that get, comes out a lot in the cartoon series. You get to see, I suppose, delve into those worlds a little bit more and see the, the characters behind the masks and, and understand that they're actually people or, you know, they're not just clones essentially that have they have no mind they are people that have thoughts and feelings and everything else going on and that should be represented in how they look and yeah. you, you see it a lot in um we'll talk a lot about the clone wars later on and they start getting like tattoos on their faces to distinguish themselves from each other and then they give really each cool. other names you know fives yeah. heavy wex you know yeah. uh, rex <laughs> it's and but yeah that in that series but this one like also the action was extremely mm. ramped up uh and and you get that with gendy if, if you watched samurai jack i mean you know every time samurai jack would slice to a robot you know they would do that slow splitting away of the robot as it would fall <laughs> apart and then he would get sprayed with oil and stuff like of spraying blood all over him they yeah. did that type of over the top in basically like almost like anime-esque um you know, level of action. And the, the show even starts off like that in the very first episode, you know, Void is doing his voiceover and it's like, uh, yeah, he's talking about the Clone War spreads across the galaxy. Many systems <laughs> fall to the control of, and, and he starts going on. And, but while he's doing it, he's riding on the back of that, of that like Tauntaun looking like creature and he's charging <laughs> into battle with a bunch of clone troopers going up against super battle droids. And it's yeah. just awesome. And then, the, you know, they uh, it just just the way it started out just brought you in and you just you just couldn't help it. You you were elated to, to watch it. And it, it was yes. just it was just wonderful. And of course, Mace Windu, we got to see <laughs> truly why he is so badass. Be, being a badass, being like exactly what we needed him to be for any of the other iterations of Mace Windu. I, I would have loved it if if when that little boy on Datooine handed him hit that canteen and he took a sip and he went, don't go telling your friends about this shit, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been one smidge too far, but I think they could have pulled it off somehow. <laughs> I mean, getting Say Tartikoski's- whoa again. Say, <laughs> say whoa again, motherfucker. I dare you. I double dare you. <laughs> Gendy's like that man he would do something like that he uh, you see a lot of his shows are very uh, uh, dark like super dark but they have these nice little yeah. little touches of humor in there to lighten it up and yeah they've they've gone heavy on the dark themes with this one but there's always like a little bit that'll just make you go huh, that's good I like it yeah and, and what's yeah. um one of the things about it was it was it was 
you know, we're talking about how awesome the action was. It it was pretty lampooned by some fans for that level of action because uh, they it was a little bit unrealistic to see Jedi performing in this way in this mm. show. And then you get the movies and nothing even close to this level of action is happening. And no. you know, he always wrote it off as these are stories that are being told uh, about the Clone Wars. Like these are the legends of, yes. of, of what happened during the Clone Wars, not necessarily what did happen or say, which I guess goes to make sense now because this is no longer canon. Yeah, and that's such a shame because I think that was one of the biggest things for me is the, the bits of continuity within uh, the Gendy story that – it fits so well between uh, yep. those those two movies, and it just shows you where everything started. And the big one for me was always um, was General Grievous and Mace Windu, and especially that bit where the Grievous is is running away, and essentially uh, the, all that Windu can do is crush him with the Force and crush crushes his chest. his chest, and that's where yeah. he gets his cough, and that that comes out so much in the third uh, prequel. And it's, it also. It's- introduced us to to two fan favorite villains that came over from the comics which the comics mm. were a lesser form of canon at this time it gave us Asajj Ventress which i oh, much yeah. prefer this version of Ventress over the over uh, the, you know the the newest clone wars that, that we'll be talking about next and yep. it gave us Dirge who was a <laughs> he, he dressed uh he he was a bounty hunter um yep. but he was a bounty hunter unlike any other one everything in his arsenal was built to fight Jedi and the yeah. only reason he fought Jedi was because Mandalorians fought Jedi and he hates Mandalorians and he was out to prove that he's better than any other Mandalorian by collecting more heads of Jedi than any Mandalorian could ever. That's fucking cool. Which such a <laughs> bad ass story. <laughs> and he's basically the T-1000 of the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. Because you, you cut him and then he just keeps like coming back. He just back keeps at coming. And then, of course, <laughs> it actually made you fear General Grievous. Um, oh, yeah. That episode where General Grievous takes out 20 Jedi in the blink of an eye, pretty much, was oh, yeah. awesome. Just awesome. And they're all hiding the, in the, the downside that, to it is... They're, they're all hiding in that wreckage of the uh, the crashed dropship, and they're just yeah. they're hearing him clanking towards them. They're just like, clank, clank. And you could see the fear on their faces. Like, they're not supposed to be afraid of things, but this is Jedi being afraid. It was just... You didn't feel that menace in any of the other shows. That was just no. a guy that could be defeated. So you didn't. You didn't feel that menace from Grievous in in Revenge of the Sith, which again, no. just like Dooku, he's just a villain that appears and is and is quickly dispatched. You know, we never got to spend enough time with him to yeah. respect him as a villain or fear him. But uh, and then in even in the Clone Wars, he's defeated so much in every appearance that he has. How could you ever fear him? How could you ever you know think that 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 he's ever going to get one over on any of the Jedi? So it, it, it serviced a lot of a lot of story points, um, and even right up to the ending, it, it, you know, the ending of the the final episode of the second season was heading off to save the Emperor from Grievous, which is exactly <sighs> where Revenge of the Sith picks up. Yes. Yeah, and that that whole chase scene where they're they're basically basically uh, being chased by Grievous across Coruscant and just trying to keep the the senator uh, sorry the chancellor away from him, and it's just it's so cool because he kills off a bunch of Jedi and you're feeling that like we can't beat this guy you're feeling that pressure and that that 
almost just unstoppable force of Grievous coming at them. And it just goes away for the movies. It just disappears. So in context, this, this show is, is phenomenal because it allows you to feel something more for him. And when you go back and watch the movie again, it makes a lot more sense uh, why he's there and what the character's doing. So I think in that respect, this, this show was so important to fit all of that together because it allowed them to tell a, a more brief story in the movies itself and move on to the other important points like, you know, talking stuff in the Senate. Absolutely. And that is time. Uh, <laughs> so we have to put the Gendy Clone Wars series away now. Uh, it is available on DVD if you've never seen it. Uh, but if you don't want to purchase the DVD because it is out of print, so it can be pricey to, to purchase it. It is streaming free on YouTube, so yeah, just just, just search recommend. Clone Wars animated, and it it'll show up. It, it'll yeah. be there, and it's worth it. It's worth it. It's about two hours and twelve minutes long when you put it all together. So you can actually watch it like a film. Mm. Which, which which that's the only way I've known it is watching it all as one. So yeah. haven't seen hadn't seen those smaller grabs. So seeing that would be frustrating. In college, <laughs> but, when yeah. me and my brother watched all the Star Wars, uh, we just had like a, a Saturday and a Sunday where both of us were off from work. Uh, me and my brother lived in an apartment while we were both in college. So while we we just watched them all. We just got beer, pizza, and we watched them all. We put this, we nice. sandwiched this right in its proper place between episode two and episode three, and watched <laughs> it right along with it each episode. Just did it. There's just yeah, it's there's something to be said for for a cartoon series that you could pop in and do that with. I can't do that with the next series that we're going to be talking about. Nope. <laughs> All right, so we are now talking about the Dave Filoni Clone Wars. <laughs> started out kind of as a whimper for me uh it had this big theater release you know uh, they, mm. they they took the the pilot of the series the first three episodes of the series and they decided to put it on the big screen which i think was was to its detriment 100 <laughs> percent. it was a big mistake <laughs> yeah i went in to see this and i'm like new star wars you know like i was so excited but i realized that there wasn't the same type of hype around it so mm. it, it, and it wasn't episodic so I, I thought maybe that was it but now we've seen rogue one succeed so we know that that's not the case here yeah. like we know that it was just because they didn't advertise it well they kind of snuck its release out there to try to, to try to make some money uh and and even um even at the time Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers was was a little iffy about putting it out. It was George Lucas who was pretty much pushed for it to be put out there. Yeah. And it was the worst garbage I think you could ever see for Star Wars on the t on, <laughs> on on the theater in the theater on the screen because it was just it was just so bad. I mean, especially the quips between Anakin and and, and Ahsoka, Sky Guy, and Snips, yeah. and you know, uh, a, a, a fucking sick little hutlet vomiting all over the place. And it was just, it was, it was just such not a what poor you wanted. Story to start with, like the it was. considering how much material they had to work with. Why would you choose that as your like your setup story for everything else? Yeah. And I, I can't see how it got picked up after that. Like the, it doesn't make sense that that would be the lead in. They to, already had it, the first series? season ready to go, so yeah. they were going to let the whole first season run, see where the see where everything laid uh, with with the ratings. And about halfway through the season, they got the green light for a season two because the ratings picked up. The ratings 
ratings were there. You know, okay. a Star Wars fan may not want to pay the money. The casual Star Wars fan may not want to pay the money to go see the cartoon in the theaters, but they certainly have the ability or at least the, the care enough to DVR it and check it out. Yeah. And running reruns on TNT also helped them, um, you know. <laughs> Cartoon Network was running on you know on uh, on on Saturday nights, but then on 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 Sunday evenings and stuff they would run them uh, late night on on uh, on TNT and TBS other Turner Broadcasting uh, stations, so that adults started discovering it and finding it and gravitating towards it. Uh, it wasn't until about season three that this series really picked up for me. <laughs> it takes a long time for it to actually get going, right? It does. Yeah. There's So there's a time jump that happens around season three where they age Ahsoka, who is supposed to pretty much be the star of the series. She's supposed to be the one. She She's kind of like your your view into the world. She's the audience yes. view into the world. Um, and then she's, she's there with two of the greatest Jedis who ever lived, Anakin and Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan, whose, whose voice was done by James Arnold Taylor, was phenomenal throughout the entire series I, I i really enjoyed obi-wan there's a series of episodes that takes place in season two where he fights mandalorians and we find out oh, yeah. that he uh actually has a love or a lost love um duchess satine and those are some of my favorite storylines because and john i'm just gonna and say john, yeah absolutely yeah. that is my favorite theme throughout all yeah. of this series is that story and john favreau of- is uh is pre vizsla Oh. He's the voice of Pre Vizsla, so it's it, it's it's when you started getting people you know like that behind it that you could really you know you really started realizing that they're that they're going for something they are capable of more and that's what kept me in it was those season two episodes with Mandalorians that that kept me in it and then finally in season three they dropped the bomb on us when they mm-hmm. revealed Darth Maul lived <laughs> and everybody wow. went nuts <laughs> that was so cool that story that again ties back into that sort of mandalorian storyline as well and it comes to it comes to a head right the right and at the end really, of season but five it, like, and, that oh. is so creative of them to take like so so uh asajj ventress is betrayed by dooku and she turns on him and returns home to the night sisters who are basically uh dark you know dark side force witches who who is the same planet of dathomir where darth maul had come from and she seeks an apprentice for herself someone who, who she can offer up to dooku to make uh, a new apprentice and she takes they called him his literal brother but i would say he's more like a clan member uh you know yeah, maybe the same so. bloodline but not literal brothers savage oppress hmm. and they use the dark magic they make him this hulking beast and he goes out there to to fight dooku loses goes away and starts following a beacon to his brother to be trained better in the dark in the dark side by Darth Maul. And when he finds him, he he has spiders in his brain pretty much. He's just fucking <laughs> nuts. He's gone absolutely mad. And I love it. And Sam Witwer lends the voice, who was the voice of uh of Starkiller in in The Force Unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. It's he they do it so well. He's he's creepy and dark and this is the story that we wanted to see of of Darth Maul from you know before that we wanted to see the prequels. We wanted to see where this guy came from, what he was doing, and this gave us this this dark, twisted, awful dark side user that just wanted to crush everybody for no apparent reason. And it gives him this drive for vengeance in this series as well. It's everything is about Kenobi. Everything is about getting back I love that. Kenobi for, for I love that essentially chopping off his legs. And it's just, 
it's so cool because everything every time he's like Kenobi, it's like yeah <laughs> come on <laughs> i love they, you know and uh, you know darth maul comes up with a brilliant plan you know mm-hmm. you can't take over a government the same way his former master sidious did so yeah. if you if you can't take over a major power like that what well, other major powers are left for you to to take over well the the underground and we get yeah. our first in canon view of the black sun and uh the father of prince jizor if you if you are uh, a fan of shadows of the empire um mm-hmm. and he takes over the black sun and in that he challenges the Death Watch and takes them over as well and leads a revolt on Mandalore to return Mandalore to its actual warrior ways instead of the peace-loving people that Duchess Satine led them to be. And that, to, uh, that is hands down my favorite fight in, in a lot of Star Wars media, but especially in this show. Uh, the fight between, between uh, Darth Maul and Pre Vizsla. Oh, and yeah, it's, this is it's a cartoon so that's for kids. <laughs> And he cuts a motherfucker's head right off. And (laughs) while they don't show it, you see it in the shadow. You see him slice and you see Pre Vizsla's head pop up. And then in in just a shadow. And then it rolls down. And that's it. And then you just see his body slumped to the ground. And he sits and he takes his throne and he takes the Darksaber, which which was a weapon of Pre Vizsla. And Darth Maul, by holding that, is now the leader of the Mandalorians. And the next episode (laughs) is great when Obi-Wan shows up because Obi-Wan is now fighting Mandalorians who have modeled all their armor to look like Darth Maul. They have horns on their head. It's red with black stripes and it's just, it's awesome. And then the best part comes when, you know, daddy comes to fucking beat his (laughs) petulant children. When Sidious shows up with two lightsabers and just absolutely wrecks fucking house against Darth Maul. See, for me, like you said, the pre Vizsla fight was your favorite. For me, my favorite is the Savage Opress and Darth Maul versus uh, Sidious. I th- I think that's amazing. Some of the stuff that happens in that that fight scene is just yeah. literally incredible. It, you're watching it going, that's fantastic. This is exactly what I wanted to see from every single Star Wars lightsaber battle. It's, it's exactly it's- what you wanted to see the Emperor be capable of, but didn't get to yeah. see in Revenge of the Sith. And here it is here. And it's also extremely tragic in a way to see Savage Press go out like this. Um, oh, yeah. Because because he at this point you know he wasn't that he was wrestling the good inside him but you had figured out that he wasn't necessarily a bad person he was he was twisted into this evil person that he's become so yes. it was almost tragic when he died without getting a chance to redeem himself um, the only redeeming quality about it was he he actually did truly love his brother who yeah, in the end was pretty it. much only using him so that was just heartbreaking. <laughs> it was pretty bad and then i think his final lines like i'm sorry I, I'm, I'm not like you and it just it's oh it's it's actually quite it's quite a touching moment between two awful awful people um <laughs> voiced as well by the uh the infamous clancy brown clancy so. brown yeah uh, now <laughs> Man, while that the voice is a lot that- of fun it doesn't yeah. do a lot to massage canon. It doesn't do a lot to fit no. into canon. Some of the arcs that, that really get into canon that are great are uh, the Citadel, where yep. Anakin and Obi-Wan break Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, who is a Republic Admiral at that point, out of, of the Citadel. And, and you start getting the building relationship of Tarkin and Anakin. Yeah, and and you see and, their and dynamic. How much he despises people. Like he's like he just looks yeah. down to everybody. So oh, that, he hates that Ahsoka. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> and, and he hates the Jedi also as well. That like fits you get into that. 
you get that that feeling of hatred towards the Jedi and of their you know feeling like they're superior to everybody else. And he's just like, well, you're not. I'm actually a normal person, so I'm superior to you. So yeah. it's it's pretty cool. And then that's also that arc fits in with the um with the arc troopers arc the the the. the the clones that we get to follow from training to their first mission at the Rishi outpost to their first loss uh, to to them defending their home world of, of Kamino to them going to the Citadel. And then they, they finally end that arc with darkness on Umbaro, where mm. we find out that that, that that Dexter Jester, the guy who was worried about them cloners, has <laughs> a, another another uh, race mate out there who, who has four arms, is a Jedi and wields four double lightsabers yeah that guy's wicked was it uh, yeah. general krell i think it was yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's Pond so krell. cool <laughs> and that arc was was awesome uh, like yeah. it was it was the first time you really got to make the clones not just the stars of like their own episode because we've had clone centric episodes we didn't have clone central arcs and this was a five episode arc that focused on rex and yes. the rest of the clones of the 501st. And, and owning themselves and, and realizing, hey, we, we don't just have to do what they, they tell us to do. We can make yeah. our own decisions and be our own people. And that was really cool. It's, again, like I said before, it starts to humanize them more and starts to make you realize that these are people too. And yeah. you, it's, it's such a shame that that's lost in the movies. I believe there's even like a clone who, who has had enough at that yeah. point. And attempt suicide. Yep. So, there's, I mean, which, which is sad to say, there's nothing more human than that. Yeah. And there's, um, they had that, they had a, another clone that had just completely abandoned everything and gone off and started a family. Um, you know, you see these different iterations of clones who sort of realize this is fucked up and I don't want to be a part of it. And yeah. it's, it's great how they manage that. So, other, again, other story arcs in it that, um, that that were needed for for canon and 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 to close out the show, Ahsoka and her her basic uh, exile from the Jedi in mm-hmm. the end, which was which was a good arc. Um, I I really enjoyed that arc. I, I think I just liked how they developed her as a character by that point. And yes. and you were in, it, it, but it goes to show something we talked about in episode two of this show: the arrogance of the Jedi. Oh it's, yeah, it's just absolutely apparent in that episode where ahsoka is is right because she's she's right like just absolutely in the right and the jedi are in the wrong but because she went against their codes uh they still they still release her and then when they offer her a chance to return to the jedi she looks at it and says no this is flawed this system's flawed and i want nothing to do with it i can do more good out there on my own than i could ever do here under under your tutelage and she leaves, and, and we don't see her again until the next series. For that. And she's, it's nice to see her just own own herself and understand, look, I can do more good out there. And it, it ties it up in a nice little package for them to yeah. not have have to talk about her in the, the, you know, the third prequel. But at the same time, I think it's such a shame to have lost such a rich character that, again, humanizes Anakin but as well. What's e- I'll say, but what's even what's even darker about it is her leaving is what kind of sparks Anakin to go against the Jedi to to see their yeah. arrogance and their flaws and allow himself to be pushed in a similar way by by Sidious. You yeah. know, perhaps if Ahsoka was there, he may not have fallen. 
Yeah. Because she ends up being Which a bit of a foil it, for it, him. Like, she ends up being that uh, mm-hmm. sense of reason for him, and she allows him at that point to justify his actions. I'm doing this because of this. I'm doing this because of this. And when she goes, I suppose that means he no longer justifies the things that he does, and he starts acting out because of it. So, I suppose it's, it's probably timely that she left, but I think they probably, I mean, there's other ways that she could have gone, and that would have, I suppose, broken him more. But yeah. yeah, you're right. That separates him at that stage from the Jedi, or it starts to make him question why he's there. And then finally, the the last thing is uh, this: the show got canceled pretty abruptly after season five. They had half of the episodes completed for season six, which wound which got themselves onto um, got themselves onto to Netflix as the lost episodes. And they the the, the first two arcs were, were pretty crappy. It's the last arc that that yep. really means something. <laughs> it's Yoda pretty much learning how to do what Qui Gon did and live through the Force. And yes. and he goes on a basically a forced journey where he meets Exar Kun. Uh, I believe he even meets or is mentioned that Revan is out there, uh, and yeah. and that the Sith figured out how to store their restore their life as Force Ghosts before even the Jedi did. And he he basically learns learns a dark power and makes it good. And mm-hmm. it's. It's and it's great and 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 it predicts the downfall of the Jedi, um, and that's time, unfortunately. No, damn it! So all of those episodes uh, are available on Netflix still, as well as as the crappy movie that's still on there as well. What's interesting about the series is when you go to watch it, it is not linear. Um, a lot of these stories take place at certain times. After the time jump of season three, though, they did make a conscious effort to make them all linear. There's just, it's it's not that strong of a series until that 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 third season, but you really do to understand the characters have to get through those those two schlag uh, seasons and this and the series and uh, and the animated film, and then finally um, they had a vast majority of the episodes of season six practically completed. Uh, season seven had already been written and some pre production had begun on it. Uh, Keep an eye out on some of the on the Disney expanded universe stuff that's out there because a lot of that stuff is drawing from the dropped storylines from a Clone Wars, uh, including um, Asajj Ventress's team up with everyone's favorite, barely there in the films, Jedi Quinlan Voss. <laughs> and uh, a bit of a budding romance, as well as the conclusion to Darth Maul's story uh, that they started in Clone Wars, uh, which eventually we see his final conclusion in the one we're about to discuss, Rebels. So uh, yes. are you ready to uh, get started with Rebels there, Fuzzy? Let's do it, man. Let's talk right. Rebels. Yeah, well, this is this kind of came out of nowhere for me. I never expected them to start doing a more kid-friendly version of the shows. I think they maybe originally started to try and do kid-friendly stuff, and they just went, no, nah, fuck it, let's just do adult shows that people, because adults are watching them. And this was very accessible in the, at least the first season for kids. Um, I watched it with, uh, with Little Fuzzy, and um, we went through... We've been watching all of them. And the last couple of seasons, I'm going to say, started to get super adult super quickly. <laughs> they started, yeah, started dealing did. with it some did. big like big things about loss and death and finality of things. And I think that's 
it's to the show's credit that they were able to do that in such an accessible way. So one of the things yeah. I enjoy about Rebels and Clone Wars is uh, it, it, it appears that they try to age the show as their audience ages. Um, yes. It's so so as Ezra ages, you know, they're trying to reflect the age of 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 their viewers. You know, while the viewers may have started out watching it at ages nine, ten, they can relate to Ezra as a as as a kid. You know, once he shaves his head and becomes a, an apprentice of of Cadence, you know he um he is he, he's a little bit older he's in his late teens and everything like that and i think mm. the 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 prepubescent kids or the kids that are going through puberty time can relate to that mm. yeah same absolutely. thing with same thing with ahsoka and if you like adventure time it happens over there too <laughs> <laughs> yeah look i i liked that the, they had a core group of people in this one they had like a, a like a family a little star wars mixed up family in this and yeah they really kept that core group together which was great it, it allowed you to follow that through that like we talked about in the last one it was a non-linear fashion that time this is very much a story they look at each of those individual uh, seasons as a storyline let's go from start to finish and finish that 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 arc over the course of the season and it's great uh, because it starts with the liberation of Lothal like you know yeah. liberating Ezra's home planet then it goes to to building the rebellion and then yeah. it goes to to our rebels that we're following they're questioning even the rebellion and the rebellion's ability to to protect the galaxy and overthrow the empire so they do the only thing that they think they're capable of uh, and they go and finally liberate Lothal which yes. is and it's like so much of the show you know centers on the first season and then the uh, end of the third and the fourth season it's all on Lothal uh, in yeah. the second and third season that's what they're trying to build the rebellion and those are interesting episodes but you really start getting into depth of canon uh, and what, what once once Thrawn shows up and they have to go liberate Lothal for a final time yes yeah they they add in some such depth to those characters as well the the bad guys they take an entire season to build them up and understand the threat of these yep. people uh and then you know there's final conclusions to some of them at the end of each of the seasons it's great you see you know bad guys winning over this through the course of some of the episodes and the good guys coming back and there's this struggle between both of them yeah. it's not Agent just that the good guys are always powerful one Agent Callus is one of my favorite characters in the series. Mm. Uh, I mean, he is just a villain when it starts. And when he finally takes up Ahsoka's uh, role of Fulcrum, the one who's yep. leaking information to the Rebellion, because Ahsoka does return and she brings along a friend. Uh, he's old, he's grizzled, but Rex from uh, from Clone Wars does come <laughs> back with Wolf and, 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 and one other clone. And the way they come back as like these old, you know, they're three men on a ship and they're hunting like a sand shark like a literal sandworm type shark thing and it, it just reminded me that episode i was like this is their homage to jaws how great is that <laughs> that, that rex became quint <laughs> shall we drink to your leg all right we'll drink to your leg let's drink to our legs <laughs> farewell and adieu to you fair spanish ladies oh <laughs> uh, but i, I <laughs> I, I love the way that they tied in Clone Wars, but they didn't service Clone Wars too heavily, right? They, no, 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 they, no. They brought these two characters back because they had to close their stories out. Um, mm. But, you know, it, it it still didn't, it wasn't about them. You cared about them because you cared about them before if you watched the old series, but you knew that it wasn't about them. Uh, yes. But one of my favorite episodes is when Ezra meets Old Master and Old Master <laughs> turns out to be Darth Maul. 
much yeah. older, a, a cast out in, in the galaxy, pretty much powerless. Uh, he he winds up meeting up with Ezra, and then starts training him and finding that that dark side that exists in all of us and he massages it in in ezra and ezra throughout ever since meeting him always has that that bend towards the dark side oh yeah and there's the i like that and it comes out a little bit with the new series of star wars like the new i don't know post calls whatever we're calling them now uh with ray and that balance within herself of light and dark rather than having a purely light person or a purely dark side in the last jedi you know luke says to her like you went straight to the dark place you didn't even bother resisting it you went straight to it yeah 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 and that's that's great. I mean, we talk about often we talk about with Star Wars the balance of light and dark, as in individual representations of light side and dark side. So Darth Vader was always viewed as purely dark, and then you know Luke Skywalker was always viewed as purely light. But there has to be that conflict within you that potentially could lead you down the path to dark things, and that's. Ezra, right. see, that's that scene in Ezra, and it comes out a lot in those when I suppose when Darth Maul starting to get really get his hooks into him, and you see these the potential for things to go wrong, but he needs that he needs that fallibility I think to become a more holistic person that can actually have balance within themselves. Before we get into you know the completely continuity shattering you know final <laughs> episodes of the fourth season, I want to talk about uh, you know your your favorite fights. I have two of them. Uh, okay, the one is at the end of season two when yep. uh, Darth Maul cuts Kanan's eyes and Kanan is let stricken blind, and mm-hmm. Ahsoka holds off Vader so that uh, that that Kanan and Ezra can escape. And yeah. I absolutely love that because that's the moment that Ahsoka realizes that Anakin is Vader. Uh, she sees it in his face and literally she, she cuts half of his mask off and she realizes that he's too far gone. She can't turn him. It, 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 yeah. it can't be her. So she just has to hold him off. And as that temple is, is collapsing around them, that's it. You don't see either of them in the show again after no. that. I mean, you know well. Vader survives, but you don't know what happens to Ahsoka. <laughs> yes, and then that's true. the the other fight that I love that a lot of people didn't old master <laughs> Darth Maul <laughs> takes on his last mission. He finds the location of Obi-Wan Kenobi and he's going to go kill the little boy that Obi-Wan Kenobi is guarding. So mm. he takes himself to Tatooine comes across an old man in the desert. And I, I love what he's healing. It's my God, look how old you've gotten. <laughs> 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 and they have a lightsaber fight that lasts 0.2 seconds. Yeah, it was disappointing. Ev- <laughs> Everyone said it was so disappointed, but I love that because that shows you just literally how weak Darth Maul was, how yeah. how, how far surpassed Obi-Wan was by him. Because at this point in the series, uh, where, where we are in the, in, in the pantheon of Star Wars, you know, Obi-Wan is is far from that apprentice he was in episode one and he yeah. should, you know, it's not like Darth Maul did much to progress himself from no. then. Uh, so it makes sense that he dispatched them so quickly. And I just, I, I absolutely loved it because it was literally like a block, a strike and down went Maul. And even in, in that moment, Obi-Wan felt for him, you know, he, yeah. he felt bad for him. And I, I just really enjoyed that. Fuzzy, do you have any, uh, any favorite fights? Uh, look, I think the big one for me was always the, uh, the Inquisitor, anything with the Inquisitor in, uh, in the early season, just because 
of the of the effects that they had with the lightsabers by this stage and what he was doing um, on the screen. Oh, I love so them that-, that they were actual sabers, like foils, <laughs> like they were very thin. Yeah. They, you know, they weren't like those those thick, uh, heavy light bats that they were carrying in the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's right. And they it just and just the effect of that he had of having this sort of central column essentially and yeah, it turned into like a circular blade that would spin around in front of himself and that was that was just amazing. Like they start to do really fun things with lightsabers um yeah. later and on Ezra's, in some of these cartoons. Ezra's fires so. projectiles too. Uh, yeah, his original was, one before it gets broken. Yeah, that was he great. throws tickle balls. <laughs> tickle balls. Uh, and finally uh Towards the end of season four, mm-hmm. uh, we get the return of the Mortis uh, family. Uh, yes. Basically, the the balance of, of of light and dark, father son of the dark side and daughter of the light side, and Ahsoka has always been the embodiment of of daughter. Um, a- after the Mortis trilogy in the Clone Wars, which I wasn't crazy about that trilogy in the Clone Wars, but I liked yeah. where they were going with it, and they yep. finally get a payoff here for that. You know. Five years later, uh, <laughs> in a completely different series, Ezra unlocks a temple and is literally able to walk through the ether of time and see yeah. key moments in history. And we learn that you can change them. He pulls Ahsoka out of the temple before it collapses and kills her, thus saving her. I don't know whether it creates a paradox or not, but I love, I just absolutely love that episode. Like, I, a lot of people are like, wait a minute, once you introduce time travel into something, you can never take that back. <laughs> but the way they set it up is that there are consequences to what you do. So yes. Ezra couldn't save Kanan, even though he wanted to. If he I saved Kanan. Twist. Yeah. yeah then then Ezra would be dead. Therefore, Ezra wouldn't be there. Therefore, Ahsoka would be dead. And the and Lothal would never be freed. And and the rebellion would never stand a chance. So he yeah. was forced to watch Kanan die. And moments after that, you, you find out that Sidious has access to time as well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, like, for me, it feels like they... I, I heard a lot of complaints about this this show, just specifically because, you know, it introduces that time travel aspect to it, and why can't you just go back and change it all? But then I, I'm they, of the belief they that laid the rules temple down, though. collapses... Basically, you, you can't change yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's... I, I think, yeah, the, the temple collapses, and it's just no longer available. So, they've, they've kind of removed that aspect from the universe. They introduce it and remove it within that same space of time. So, I, I do enjoy that part of it. But it was just such a... Yeah, like, it, there was a... A mind-bending episode to watch because you're sitting there going, "How is this possible? How are these things going to ha- like impact the rest of the universe? And why is this not always been a thing for for uh, for our force users? How is this sitting out there?" And yeah, but now I think they've closed that off, and it's not going to be a thing anymore. Although they may bring it back until I, until I e, until Disney needs it for something. <laughs> until <laughs> Disney wants to bring someone back. We need at to some bring. Point. Uh, we need to bring Darth Vader back at some stage. And yeah, he, he yeah. definitely stepped through here. <laughs> Dexter Jester's got to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's uh, like so a Sidious force, force ghost out there somewhere that's going to like access a temple and become powerful. Oh, yeah. Again. You got to do Dark Empire from the Dark Horse comic series. You got to do mm. it, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't want to get into where all the characters end up. I don't want to get into that final episode because I would like people to, to give Rebels a shot. I would like, I'd like people to go out there, seek it out. And, and watch the episodes of Rebels because I think we did a good job. We talked about some story points and yeah, there's a spoilers here or there, but 
you you really it's all about the characters and and oh, the yeah. only way to really experience the characters is to just watch them from the first episode uh we chose talking about these three uh star wars animated series because these are the only ones that are worth their salt really 100%. no one wants to talk about ewoks <laughs> or droids and certainly <laughs> no one wants us to talk about the holiday special cartoon <laughs> where boba fett looks like a blue dildo and han solo looks like mick jagger circa 1978 <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has the crotch for it so <laughs> yes yeah and those big lips and it <laughs> the i love crotch, the, the big lips out on the twitter of him just <laughs> <laughs> oh wow yeah, I, yeah. None of those, none of those shows are worth it. And I'm gonna, I will point out that any show that that starts off within uh, the Clone Wars series and it looks like it's gonna be a droid heavy episode, just skip past all of those because they're pretty much rubbish as well. So yeah, Into the yeah. Void is a is literally a a they put together a Suicide Squad of droids that are led Ugh. by a tiny frog general lieutenant type guy slash skip all jerk off <laughs> five of those episodes, all five of them. Skip them. How can I they mean, do a five series like five? story arc on this thing it's just like there's no possibility that that that's one of the nice things about these two hours of show that's and that's the way like i own them all on blu-ray but i don't watch them all because i know which ones i don't like so if at any point in the clone wars you're not enjoying the story skip it skip it and go on to there, the next one. You'll find something in those. There's a couple yeah. of episodes like that. Like there's um, a lot of like political heavy episodes. Skip past all of those. There's anything a, there's a- starring Padme. You can pretty much skip. Exactly right. Yeah. There's there's a lot of that, but uh, yeah, they. I suppose they had to fill out the story somehow. Just focus on the good stuff. Cut it down to I'm- the good stuff. Cut all the crap out. Yeah, if you just had three seasons of The Clone Wars, it was all that good stuff. People would have been <laughs> extremely happy. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for, for our discussion on Star Wars animated series in the past 15 years. If, you, if you've been avoiding it, that you know, there are a lot of reasons to check out all three of these. Fuzzy, uh, if anyone wants to check out your show, which I highly recommend everyone does, where can they find you? They can find me at whospikethepuns.com. Uh, who spiked the puns on all of the things i am not who spiked the funds that is another inappropriate podcast that is not related to me so don't check that out you will not find any fun stuff there uh they post all their episodes onto youtube red (laughs) 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 who spiked the funds behind a paywall (laughs) (laughs) yeah look uh anywhere you can find a good podcast you can find me i'm out there doing podcasting stuff so yeah check me out it's uh it's a lot of fun Awesome. And of course, you can check out my regular show, Super Movie Brothers. You can follow us on Twitter at Super Movie Pod. Uh, you can also search us on any, any podcast catching service. Uh, but you can also check out our episodes on our website, www.supermoviebrospodcast.podbean.com. I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a great night, guys. And uh, remember, everything can be true in Star Wars from a certain point of view. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.